We are live here at LA Live for a beautiful day of talking about the upcoming schedule for Bellator MMA. We have got an incredible five weeks, five fights in the five weeks, four title fights. We've got more things going on than I can talk about right now. Josh, how you doing, baby? I'm doing good. It's a beautiful day. It actually cleared up here, and the wind's kicked down a little bit. It was kicked up earlier, but it's going to be nice. I'm excited. There's a lot going on, John, we got to talk about. We do our podcast weighing in, and we talk about the Bellator upcoming events all the time, but doing it here right now, I'm pumped. I'm excited. Fighters about to start walking out and getting sit, sat down and getting a little nervous. I did this for years. Nervous? I, I get nervous still. <laughs> Why? I get nervous more for the friends and for the fighters than I do for myself every time I fight. But this is amazing. I love this. And uh, I'm glad I'm glad Showtime took a chance on us, buddy. Oh, they said, amazing. hey. I don't know if it was. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how it all works the, out. You know, the big thing, let's talk about it. We have got Bellator 277 coming up from San Jose, California, a place where there was possibly what I would consider the biggest fight in Bellator history between A.J. McKee and Patricio Pitbull fighting for not only the Featherweight World Championship but the Featherweight World Grand Prix title. That happened on July 31st of 2021, and in basically one week, we've got that same fight, five days, that same fight is coming back as a rematch. What do you think of it? Well, I should expect a much different fight. People are expecting the same outcome. And I'm thinking, look, it may end up being the same outcome, but what you may, I think you're going to see a longer fight. You're going to see a better fight. Patricia is one of those guys that he finds a way to figure out his opponents. Look, he fought Daniel Strauss how many times? Daniel Strauss how many times? Four times, I believe? No, he fought Daniel, yeah, four, four times, times Daniel Strauss, so, Daniel Weichel two times. Yeah, so all Big those difference. times, every time, every time he has actually fought hit in a rematch, he's had a better performance yes, and usually has. comes out with the victory. So look, the potential of him getting this win, it's going to be a very tough fight. AJ poses all the threats that he has always had a hard time with. Daniel Strauss, the speed of him was the problem. AJ McKee has that same problem. So in terms of... Making, presents the same he problem. He presents the same problem, I should say. Sorry. Yeah. But yeah, he is extremely fast, explosive. AJ McKee is, and Patricio's got to figure out that riddle. Do you think that he's going to be able to get past? Because the real problem that it seemed to me in the first fight that he had, Patricio's a guy that usually goes out, he establishes himself in the center of the cage and makes his opponent come to him. He wasn't able to do that with AJ. He was actually on the outside, and AJ was controlling that distance. Do you think this is a fight where he's going to be able to solve that riddle and get that ability to control that center of the cage again? Well, he's going to have to. I also think he's going to have to mix in some of his wrestling. He's going to make it a different style of fight. He's got to make it a little bit more of a grimy fight. Because with, with AJ McKee, his long, his speed, his lanky, all those things that you want in a fighter, okay? Patricio possesses power in both hands, but he's also really good when it comes to his wrestling and his arm and guillotines and his submissions. He's got to utilize that to the best of his ability, and he's got to try to find a way to get this fight to the ground or at least make AJ believe that he's going to get it to the ground to open up the, the ability to land that big shot. You know, we talk about this, and this that was the finals of the featherweight World Grand Prix, but we have the finals of the light heavyweight World Grand Prix. Yeah. Also, on the same card, we've got Corey Anderson taking on the champ, Vadim Nemkov, not only for the light heavyweight title, but for the World Grand Prix title also. How do you see this fight playing out? Where is the strengths in your mind, and where can Corey or Nemkov get an advantage? John, this is 
this to me is the fight that I think everyone's been waiting to see. Like, honestly, it's just one of those fights where Corey Anderson possesses the wrestling. He's got the cardio, and we've seen Nemkov slow down as fights have gone. Now, he hasn't had that problem as of lately, okay? He had a little bit of that issue with uh, Phil Davis, okay? And he's had it before a little bit in the past. He's obviously a matured fighter now, okay? So he's learned how to pace himself, not fight reckless early in the fight, especially now since being the champion, yeah. understanding every fight's going to be five rounds. But Corey Anderson's got a gas tank for such a big guy. His gas tank is probably unmatched, I think, in the, in the weight class across the whole sport. So I look at him as well as his newfound love for the kicking and the punching, as well as just that ground and pound that he, he always talks about. He gets on top. What does he say? Ground and pound, baby. There's a reason because when he gets on top, he's devastating. Big elbows. Yakshamiradov found that out. Okay? <laughs> and a lot of other fighters have as well in the past. So if Corey can get this fight to the ground early and often. I think he's got a good chance to open up the stand-up as well later on in the fight. But do you think that he can out-wrestle Nemkov? Because let's be honest, Phil Davis, an incredible wrestler, an NC2A Division I champion, wasn't able to out-wrestle Nemkov. Nemkov actually took Davis down more than Dave Davis was able to take him down. Do you think Corey Anderson is going to be more successful with his takedowns? Phil Davis is one of my good, good friends, and he's a phenomenal wrestler. But, John... He doesn't utilize it as much as we he possibly could. Okay, yeah. he, He's a former national champ out of Penn State. I'm telling you guys right now, had he utilized wrestle, wrestling early in that fight, I think you may have seen a different outcome. So that was the one thing that we got on him about, and he's been utilizing his wrestling ever since then, taking down Olympic silver medalist Romero. You know, um, Yoel Romero. Yoel Romero, sorry. <laughs> and, um, and getting that fight to the ground. So there's a lot that can be done by Corey Anderson. Now, what I will say, though, is I will agree with you on this, though. The wrestling styles do, there is a contrast, whereas Nemkov has more of the Sambo, foot, foot sweeps, body lock type takedowns. Don't get me wrong, he'll, dro he'll drop in on a double leg yeah. and a single leg, but he prefers to get in on that body lock, push you to the fence, start bouncing you off the fence and foot sweep you, hip toss you, whatever he can do to get the fight to the ground. But his bread and butter is going to be on the feet. But he's got to make sure that he presses Corey also, too, making him work in uncomfortable positions because not a lot of people can do that to Corey Anderson. Yeah, I think, I think the real thing that we're looking at here is that can Corey push the pace and push Nemkov past that comfort zone? That is a real thing. All right, after 277, we're going to Hawaii. We've got a show Friday that is for first responders, frontline workers, and the military for free. They get to come to it. I love that show. I love what's happening there. We've got a championship fight with Juliana Velasquez against Liz Carmouche, which will be fantastic. And then we've got the next day, 279, Cyborg versus Blenko, but also the opening round of the Bantamweight World yes. Grand Prix. Yeah, so you've got Archuleta versus Stotts. you got Mix versus Horiguchi. Horiguchi coming off of his loss to Pettis where he was dominating the fight. Would you call? I he won every minute. He won every minute of that fight, except for that last, <laughs> that last second, second <laughs> of the fight. Which that's that's what happens though in the fight game, and we've we've seen it many times, John, where someone's was dominating a fight. But Horiguchi was not to be deterred by the situation. He said, "Look, this is the game. This is what happens. Go back to the drawing board, make some adjustments." We've talked to people like um, we've we've talked to other people from his camp, and they've made it very clear that it didn't really phase him. He understands exactly what he needs to do to get this win. It's one of the things that I love about him is he never makes an excuse. He doesn't sit there and try to find something. Well, what? This is what he goes. I made a mistake. I got caught. I was doing everything that I wanted to do, and then all of a sudden it was over. But I learned from it, and I'm going to move on. And you look and you go, what more do you want from a guy? This is a guy that, looking at that entire tournament, he's got a great chance of coming out as the winner, as the champion in it. But we have a start of that 
tournament with an interim title fight between Juan Archuleta, a guy that was the Bantam, he's the former Bantamweight champion of Bellator, going against a guy that we know is unbelievable in the wrestling area and is just getting better and better in the stand-up, Rafion Stotts, he's on fire. Yeah, he's on fire. He's also on fire on his social media. So if you guys haven't followed him, he is hilarious because he likes to pick fun at every single person in this tournament. And I love that about him. He understands this is just fun for him. He loves everything about what he's doing. And that's what makes guys like him dangerous because when they get in there, they fight so relaxed. Yeah. When he beat Magomed Magomedov, it was all about the fact that he was so relaxed out there. He was having fun. He was making it fun, getting the takedowns, stuffing the takedowns, landing the combinations, pointing at him, letting him know. You're not getting me down. I think if he does the same thing with Juan Archuleta, he's got a good chance of walking around, walking out of that fight as an interim champion. And one of the things I loved, you talk about his social media, he actually found two of the fighters in an elevator and started doing <laughs> a, He's videotaping the whole thing, talking about, I have found them. He is saying that I have been looking for this. This is what I am made for. And he believes that he's going to be the guy that comes out in the end as the champion and the winner of the Bantamweight Grand Prix. But he's got a ton of studs to go through. He does. He does have a lot of studs to go through. But I think he's got a good chance, the speed, the power, uh, the wrestling ability, all around a true MMA mixed martial artist. All right. The second matchup of that night is Patchy Mix, a guy that fought Juan Archuleta for the title. He yep. did not get that. That was his first loss ever, his only loss ever in mixed martial arts. He is going up against Horiguchi. We're talking about Patchy Mix, tall, long, lanky, as yeah. you like to say, against a guy who is shorter but fast. How do you see that matchup? Depends. If Horiguchi can stay out of the way, he's got to fight him very similar to how he fought Pettis. Stick and move, stick and move. You know, because if he fights Mix where he presses him to the fence, he gets in too close. Mix, when he gets on your neck or he's able to get to a takedown, if he even gets to a body lock, he comes out on that backside. Legs, he laces the legs, gets to your back, and the fight's generally over. So he's got to be very cautious and careful, Horiguchi does. And Mix, all he's got to do is just keep pressing the pace, keep the hands up, fight long with the push kick and long with the jab, okay, and wait for the mistake to happen. Because in a five-round fight, there's guaranteed to be one mistake. Yeah, I think that push kick up the middle that he likes to yep. throw between the hands, that's a big problem for Horiguchi based upon the length difference, the size difference. He, Horiguchi has fought long, tall fighters, guys like Darian Caldwell in the past. But those were guys that were really working to get the takedown against him and weren't thinking about the stand-up so much. Patchy Mix likes that kick up the middle, and he likes bringing that left hand over the top. So this could be a really tough fight for Horiguchi. I love the matchup style. Well, then you got Cyborg versus Blankow. Man. It's a rematch. First fight didn't go Blankow's way. What do you, how are you looking for her to, to remedy that situation in this fight? Well, look, she's got to do exactly what she came to the game with, and that's her boxing. Don't try to become all of a sudden a grappler. If she's going to go into this and try to be out-grapple Cyborg, Cyborg has, one of the things I love about Cyborg is she's always evolving as a fighter. She's gotten better with the wrestling, better with her submission game, but she does tend to, at times, lose concentration in the stand-up because she becomes what I call the berserker. She has got great technical skill, but if you can get her into a brawl, she'll she'll go she'll jump into it. And Arlene Blanco can she can pull her into that brawl. And if she can pull her into that brawl, she's got a good chance of landing a good shot, and anybody's chin is susceptible to being knocked out. Yeah, Arlene just needs, I think let the boxing go, but she also needs to press her to the fence, slow the pace down, and she can do that. I think she'll have a successful night. Well, I'll tell you what, this is going to be an exciting, exciting couple of weeks for Bellator. Friday night, we're talking about the SAP Center in San Jose. One week later, later the Blaisdell Center in Honolulu. Morrow, we want to go back to you, bub. 
All right, thank you very much, John and Josh. And yeah, what a venue for this special Bellator MMA press conference here on the terrace of the Grammy Museum. And yeah, the hits keep coming for Bellator MMA undertaking its most robust and ambitious schedule in promotional history. Five events over the next five weeks, five championship fights over the next two weekends alone. It gets underway this Friday, Bellator 277, the main event, the much-anticipated rematch between featherweight champion A.J. McKee and the man he took the title away from, the most decorated fighter in Bellator history, Patricio Pitbull. We will also see the final of the light heavyweight World Grand Prix between champion Vadim Nemkov and Corey Anderson. Following weekend, back-to-back -back nights in Hawaii featuring two title fights and the beginning of the Bellator MMA Bantamweight World Grand Prix. And if you look ahead... May 6th, it's a Friday night, City of Lights, where Ryan Bader and Chet Congo will run it back for the heavyweight crown, looking to, well, turn each other's lights out. The following week, we will be in London, England, MVP's backyard. Michael Venom Page taking on Logan Storley. Storley looking for a storybook ending in the biggest fight of his career. June 24th, we return to well, our home away from home, Mohegan Sun, as Gegard Mousasi, without a doubt, one of the best to ever step foot into a cage or ring. He took the undefeated record of Austin Vanderford in his last title defense. Could be looking to do the same against Johnny Eblen. And hey, Ireland, your eyes better be smiling. We're coming back to Dublin in September. Woo! Hey, I'm never without breath, and boy, Scott Coker, president of Bellator MMA, I mean, it is an embarrassment of riches. It is a bonanza for Bellator MMA fans. You've been doing this for nearly 30 years. Have you ever been this busy? Boy, I tell you, this is a very busy schedule for us, and really, it's a testament to our TV deal with Showtime, who airs all these amazing fights, like to thank Steven Espinoza, thank David Nevins, but really, it's a testament to how far this roster has come. This roster is unbelievable now. We've been building this roster for the last five, six years since I've been here. And now, to me, it's the best roster we've had. It's the, some of the best roster in all of MMA. And we look at these tournaments we've been throwing. They're stacked. These fight cards have been stacked. And we we're going to put on five fights, like I said, five world title fights or in, in three events. It's, it's a very busy time for Bellator. And while we adore our California love, home base San Jose returning there Friday. I got to say, having been a part of it across boxing, pro wrestling, and, and MMA, something special about those international crowds, especially in Europe. We talked about going back to Paris and London and announcing a return to Dublin. Any other market internationally that we are going to uh, go to in 2022? Well, like you said, we're going back to Paris, May 6th, May 13th, London, Dublin. And we're talking to Saki Gibara. Uh, maybe at the end of the year, we might have something in Japan. Do another co-promotion like we did in 19, which was very successful for both parties. But uh, next year, we're going to have a, a brand new slate of international territories, which I don't want to get into now. But this is not a local, just domestic brand. Bellator is an international brand. We have fights all over the world. We're aired in 160 countries. And we're crushing it internationally at all these gates and all these television deals that we have, BBC, Virgin. We just uh, signed... Uh, a, a new deal in uh, in Italy. We signed a new deal in Southeast Asia. Mamma mia! Yeah, it's it's like it's just you know it's rolling, and I feel really good about it. I feel really good about where we're headed, and this is just the beginning, Marlon. Wow, uh, you know it's interesting because you and I have been working together for many years. We have a a big fondness for what goes on in the land of the rising sun. You were inspired by the K1 and Pride Fighting Championships World Grand Prix. You've made them a staple of your promotional tenure in Strike Force and here in Bellator MMA. And 
Over the next couple of weeks, we conclude the $1 million light heavyweight world Grand Prix this Friday in San Jose. Vadim Nemkov defending the title against Corey Anderson. And the following weekend in Hawaii, we will begin the Bellator Bantamweight World Grand Prix. And yes, Sergio Pettis, defending champion, he is out with an injury. We have, of course, the replacement fight here. Number one ranked contender Juan Archuleta has joined us. Number three ranked contender Rafion Stotts. But it really speaks to the depth of the division that you were able to uh, seamlessly continue with this Grand Prix. Yeah, injuries are always an, an issue from time to time in this business or, you know, it's fighting, it's, it just happens, things get uh, heavy in training and people get hurt. But when you look at this bantamweight division, honestly, we have so much depth in this division. Felt really good. We got a couple of wild cards on Friday, which will be uh, not this Friday, but the following Friday in Hawaii. It's a free show for the military, the first responders, lifeguards. Please come to the Blaisdell Arena. You guys will be admitted for free. Just show your ID. And uh, we have the wild card fights. Whoever wins those fights will go into our June 24th event, and they will be into the tournament. But uh, we've got a great lineup of tournament fights coming up, and uh, I'm really excited. It's going to be a good show. All right. Well, obviously want to thank all of the members of our esteemed media for being here today. And, of course, thank these great fighters on stage. And without further ado, want to get to Bellator 279 as we will return to Hawaii. Not this weekend, but next weekend. And the main event will be Chris Cyborg, the legendary Brazilian fighter who is perfect. 4-0 with three knockouts and a submission in her Bellator MMA tenure as the featherweight champion. And she will defend against the number one one ranked Arlene Blenko and Arlene don't worry I'm not going to subject you to cruel and unusual punishment by singing happy birthday but I will wish you a happy birthday today Arlene's 39th birthday and happy birthday to you on behalf of all of us here at Bellator MMA Chris I want to start with you it was against Blenko that you recorded the first submission win of your legendary career at this stage of your incredible career how many more firsts are you looking forward to you know, I really train really hard. Thank you for everyone be here. And you know, I always want to go to step to the octagon. I want to be the show and make the show, make the best fights for the people and uh, encourage other girls to be a fighter too. So, you know, I was the first fight we had together. You know, I was planning to get a sub first submission. We really train really hard for that. Uh, maybe this way is going to be a different way. <laughs> How, what keeps you hungry? I mean, here you are, uh, having conquered every promotion that you've been in, still at the top of your game, obviously have someone who would love revenge, but what keeps you hungry at this stage of your career? You know, a lot of people asking me the same question. Well, For thank me, you. I'd like I, to do it too. Yes, I, you know, I, I love to fight, and, and then another thing, I always want to be the champion, yes, but to be the champion of people's hearts for me is the most important. Because the belt maybe I hold today, maybe I'm not going to hold tomorrow, but in the, the people's hearts are going to be the champion. So I like to continue share my faith, continue help the community, continue promoting my event in Brazil, and they open the door for another fighters. So this is motivated every day. When I step in the cage, I just don't step in cyborg, step bring my team, step people around the world that help, and... And yes, I continue having my heart to fire. I'm continuing going to fight. Awesome. Arlene, again, happy birthday to you. Obviously, no need to ask you what you want for your birthday. But what changes, what adjustments have you been ma uh, making knowing that you do get another opportunity at becoming a champion? 
Um, I just want that belt. Um, basically, whenever I'm fighting a fighter that's ranked below me, I bring a mongrel to the cage. I don't let them take my ranking, and, and that's the same mongrel that I've got to take into the cage next weekend. I want that belt. I've been, wanting, I've been chasing that belt for five years now. This is my third attempt. And, um, yeah, I've just got to bring the mongrel to the cage and, and take the belt from the champion. That's what I've got to do. What is it like facing someone like Chris Cyborg, who will go down as one of the greatest of all time? It's, it's what I've chased my whole career. Chris has been at the, at the top. Her name's been there. It's a fight that I've always wanted. So the fact that um, I get to rematch her and, and get another run at it, um, it, yeah, this is the pinnacle of my career. Taking that belt um, on the 23rd and becoming the Bellator World Champion is the pinnacle of my career. Um, nothing will be bigger than that. Fighting Chris Cyborg and beating her and becoming the Bellator World Champion is the pinnacle. Winner of five no of her last six, <laughs> looking to bring the thunder from down under. Go ahead, Chris. No, I'm ready. I'm oh. ready for this weekend. This weekend I'm ready. I'm awesome. Ready. I know two other fighters who are ready with the Bellator Bantamweight World Grand Prix on deck beginning in Hawaii one week. Well, two weeks from now, actually. Juan Archuleta, number one contender. You defeated Patchy Mix for the vacant Bantamweight title. Were dethroned by Sergio Pettis in your first defense, and now you replace Pettis in the Bantamweight Grand Prix. You're always going to be in the grade eight, but now you're taking the champion spot against a guy who's won nine straight in Rafion Stotts. Talk about this opportunity and talk about what it's like to face a guy like Stotts. Well, we can hear it right now the sirens are glaring, right? <laughs> like they're, they, He already called the cops because he already knows he's in trouble, so it looks like I'm about to get arrested. But uh, no, um, I'm very honored. You know, one man's loss, unfortunately, coming into this sport is another man's gain, and that's what this opportunity presents, you know, staying ready, being ready. Uh, since the moment I lost my title, I've been itching to get it back, you know, and uh, to have this opportunity, I'm truly grateful to fight in Hawaii in front of a crowd that is the fighting Hawaiian, you know, that's it's it's going to be. It's it's going to be fireworks come fight night. Rafion, I know you weren't very pleased with the original matchup, knowing that you would take on a teammate of Rufus Sport in the champion Sergio Pettis. Obviously, you're not pleased that he's now injured and out for could be up to nine months. Talk about what the emotional roller coaster that you've had to to go on just getting ready for this tournament. Man, so it started out like you're fighting in Hawaii, so I'm like, yeah, let's go. Like I got to fight, you know. Uh, then it's like, okay, you're fighting for the title, and I'm like. Oh, wait a minute. You know, I got to fight uh, my homie Sergio. So it's like, uh, it's, it's definitely bittersweet. You know, I feel for Sergio. You know, he's, he's definitely the true champion. But um, I'm super excited, you know, now. You know, it, it went from down to like, dang, it sucks, Sergio, to fighting somebody I don't really care for in Juan Archuleta. You know, I feel like he's an excuse machine. So I get to, you know, shut, shut or punch him in the excuse machine in his mouth. So I'm, I'm super excited to do that. And um, I'm super excited to be here. All right, on that note, we're going to open it up. Media questions to the uh, fighters and Mr. Coker here on the stage. Uh, question for Chris. Um, Chris, when you have such a great performance against Arlene the first time around, just how do you, what do you approach in the gym in terms of how you're going to take this rematch and what you want to do out there and accomplish? No, I believe like a rematch, you have to work harder, you know. I know sometimes because you win the fight, you feel comfortable. I'm not. I'm training really hard to keep that belt. And, you know, the fight, when I fight her, I feel confident in strike. But, you know, I have to go to the ground. And while really confident, I, I, she felt my punch. I saw that her face. So I believe you have a lot of options to the fight. I just have, I have three, five rounds to finish the fight. So just have patience and see the moment, the time right. And that's it.
for Arlene, just how do you approach this one? Obviously, you go back to the gym, you go back to the lab, you know you have things you need to change when you approach the rematch. Can you just talk a little bit about the preparation and how you take that experience now? Yeah, I had an awesome preparation the first time around. Um, you know, I've got great coaches back in Australia, great coaches here in America at Jackson Wink. Um, I've just spent the last four weeks there. I'll finish a five-week fight camp over there. Um, yeah, honestly, my coaches have said it my whole career. I've, I've always got had what it's take like what it takes to be the champion and it really it's just the belief in myself and um i've grown a lot over the past few years um, my past two performances have shown that it's just every time i get in the cage i'm a better fighter and um you know that's what the commentators say too with the fights um i'm yeah getting better and better and like i said just before this is the pinnacle of the career of my career so it's i need to show up on the night and um perform that's what i've got to do for rafian just can you talk a little bit about the change in opponents and how your preparation changed going from Sergio to now Juan? Um, yeah, so I feel like Sergio is definitely my toughest opponent that I can face. You know, I've been with him for years and I know, you know, what he what he puts into it. He knows what I put into it. We know where our strengths lie. Um, where it comes to Juan Archuleta, I feel like there's a change and just because, um, I, I mean, I don't know a lot about him, you know, or I mean, I don't know a lot about him personally, but I know that, um, yeah, He's, he, he's not a person that seeks out a fight, you know what I mean? I feel like he's a person who kind of tries to find his way around, um, you know, uh, uh, being in, like, a real fight. So um, I, I'm excited to, like, bring a fight to him, you know what I mean? I'm excited to, to just, just be in there with him and, like, make him feel my presence, you know what I mean? Um, so that's why I feel like the, the preparation kind of differs. Uh, I feel like technically I'm better than him. I feel like um, uh, I'm, I'm stronger, I'm faster. Uh, but also, we get to see, we get to find out on a fight. Like, like, I don't know for sure, you know, and that's like what's fun for me. I get to find out, like, uh, are you real or not? You know, we're going to find out. We're going to find out real soon. My final question for Scott Coker. You obviously mentioned the possibility of co-promoting with Ryzen later this year. Have there been any talks with any other companies about the possibility of co-promotion this year? Uh, no, just, uh, you know, Ryzen, we've done uh, a couple, two or three fights in Japan with Sakibara, but he's somebody that I've known, you know, since the Young Pride, and I had Strike Force, and we worked together, sent fighters back and forth. So there's a certain amount of trust there, and uh, you know, once a year we talked about doing something big, uh, and I think that uh, we're going to try our best to make it happen. Again, I'm going to meet him in Hawaii in two weeks, and we're going to have a sit down, and you know, see if we can put it together. Question back here. Yeah, Juan, you were saying, Juan, back here, uh, you were saying that since you lost the title, you've been itching to get back. But you have a chance to win a million bucks, too. So I'm curious, what is more of your motivation, winning the big money or getting the rematch with Sergio? Thanks for your question. Yeah, man, I mean, I've been off for since June, right, and uh, been knocking on the door for a fight. Nothing presented itself until the Grand Prix got brought up. And, you know, it's, it was, uh, it's awesome because now not only do I get to fight and fight a guy that's, you know, obviously hates me, <laughs> but uh, I, I get to go and win, win my title back and then run through the division again and fight the true champ and def defend the belt against Sergio and let him know that that first fight was a mistake and, and you know, his, my losses were his, was his gain. Uh, you know, there's already been a little bit of trash talk at the, the dais, you know, saying that you're an excuse machine and that you, you evade a fight. Did you know that there was any of this bad blood already? You know, where did that come from? And how does that motivate you more, knowing that, uh, you know, there's a little bit of blood going on there? Yeah, I think that's just insecurities on his part, which is all good, you know. And then uh, 
I didn't know. I mean, I, I, excuse me, you know, I have no idea what he's talking about to begin with. Uh, you could ask Scott Coker up here, anyone he's put in front of me. I've, I've signed the contract and I've never asked for any other fight besides the one he's presented to me. And I've signed it every dotted line that he's given to me. Scott, you guys haven't traditionally done a whole lot of interim titles. I know there was the, the heavyweight recently. But what was the reasoning behind putting an interim title in this tournament? You know, when we think about um, Pettis' situation, I mean, he's going to be out for maybe nine months to a year, right? That means that uh, the bell will be frozen. And we told these guys this is going to be five-round fights and the, the title is going to continue. So we said, look, we're going to make this an interim title fight. And then that will continue on. And then whoever's the interim title at the end that wins the million dollars will fight Sergio Pettis probably the first quarter of next year. And the last time you guys went to Hawaii, there was actually a little bit of an issue with the timekeeper in the commission has all that been straightened out there was a fight that was actually affected by uh, poor timekeeping uh in the prelims and i'm curious if you guys have the ability to make sure that there's no oversight next time around with the commission well I, I do know that uh, there's a new commission there and uh we'll definitely have a conversation with them about that but uh i wasn't aware of that situation but uh, we'll look into it yeah it was the french fighter pierre de Guzon. the okay. the round was actually started late and they only fought about three minutes in the first round so Oh, what's going on? I had a question for Cyborg. Um, fifth fight in the promotion. You're now going through another rematch. Um, you're, you're almost like lapping the division again. How do you stay motivated at the top going through these fights time and time again when everybody else in the division is coming for you constantly? No, I really love my job. And then when you love your job, it don't work, you know. And I like to train. I look, like to do my best, too, in the, in the, in the ring. And it just, you know, be ready for any, any, any people, you know, Scott Coker put in my face. Doesn't matter going to be rematched. Doesn't matter going to be a new person. But I came to Bellator because I have a lot of girls in my division. And because this, I'm here. Uh, the next question is for Arlene. You're fighting one of the top pound-for-pound -pound fighters in the sport. How do you get in there and give your best performance on the night? Well, that's what I've been working on the last two years. Um, I've trained, um, I've prepared, and yeah, like I said, I've just got to show up on the night. Um, we've worked on a lot of things um, to fix the mistakes I made in the last fight, but yeah, basically just get in there on the night and fight my heart out, and um, yeah, really just show everyone how, how much I want that belt. Um, that was the big thing, it's just, yeah, when you're in there, you kind of, you, not so much forget, but yeah, I want to fight, fight hard for the belt. I'm going to bring it home. Uh, next question for, for Rafion here. You were scheduled to fight your teammate first round of the Grand Prix. I bet that was a bit of a bittersweet moment. Now you have a fight against Juan, like you said. You don't really have any, 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 any do, do you have any beef with him? I'll say that more. I don't, I don't necessarily have beef with, I don't know the dude. Like he's up here with moccasins and a um, poncho on. I don't know the dude. I don't know nothing about him, you know what I mean? But that's like easier for me to fight somebody like that. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm sure he's a good guy. I don't hate him, but like I would like to fight him. Like I really want to fight him because I don't I don't know him. And like it's exciting to me to fight somebody I don't know. Yeah. I will say this, Juan, you have the drip on right now currently. <laughs> Do you believe you are the best dressed fighter in Bellator? Always. I mean, look at Rufion. He's trying to copy my style. So from two, three years ago, no shirt on, uh, try to unbutton his shirt. He's copying my style. Taco he me, wants brother. to be taco me. Meat. He's I gotta trying to be me, right? So I have to switch it up. You got to switch it up. You got to always throw different curveballs when you're in the game. I appreciate the drip. Thank you so much, guys. I appreciate <laughs> it. Hey, uh, so my first question is for you, Chris. Um, how much uh, does your religious belief uh, continue to push you to, to fight? 
If I feel my heart, if I feel my heart, I might continue fight, and I'm going to continue my fight. And I like to share. I think everyone, when I fight, I like to touch with hearts and make the difference I'm at. Bring the light to the darkness. This is my goal. Thank you. And then for you, Arlene, uh, just what do you take from that first fight that you know that you need to fix that you can carry uh, onto this fight? I need to win. <laughs> no. Um, basically, yeah, um, like I answered with the other questions, I, I know what I've got to do when I get in there. It's kind of, I've actually um, haven't really done too many interviews or spoken much about this fight because it's kind of like you get over having to talk about it. I don't want to be talking about it. I want to show my actions. I want to get in there. So, yeah, it's kind of hard. Like You become one of those people like, oh, I'm going to get in there. I'm going to, I'm going to throw down hard. I'm going to knock her out, blah, blah, blah. But, like, it's, it kind of sounds silly. Like, just, yeah, come and watch on the 23rd and, um, yeah, I want to show you. Show everyone what we've been working on. Yes, everybody have a plan. A, B, C, but first punch, I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> Question right here for Rofian. Um, I just wanted to give you an opportunity to expand on, quote, excuse machine. What did you mean by that? Because that's the one thing that seemed to uh, bug Juan a little bit. Man, if I go through on my Instagram, I got a freaking uh, video of uh, somebody asking, Pretty much, I offered up to fight Juan uh, before the tournament even started, before we knew about the tournament, and um, I offered to, to fight him in lieu of, uh, or before getting the title. Like, he was the number one contender, but I had just beat Magomed. I figured I was uh, for the title next. I didn't know anything about the tournament, and I just, uh, I, I called him out to fight, pretty much, you know? And, um, and the first excuse he gave was, um, I, I didn't have enough fights. Like, oh, this guy's only got two or three fights in the uh, Bellator. I had five fights. I, you know, um, the, the, the next excuse he gave was that he spends too, mon too much money on um, his camp. He spends $50,000 on his camp, so he can't fight me because he spends that much money. Then the third excuse was that I, I, fought, I fight too often, you know? I had, then he was like, you, you want me to fight a guy that want, I look on my Instagram, it's like literally like excuse after excuse. So that's the only reason, and that's, that's why I'm coming at him like I'm coming at him because like, you know, I'm like, I'm in here to, to fight the toughest guys and I feel like he was like running from me from a long time because I didn't have the title. I feel like the only reason he's fighting me now is because he can fight for a title so he has like an out, like oh, I'm, I'm fighting for a championship, you know what I mean? But I wanna, I, I, I fight him, you know what I mean, uh, with, without, I, I, I chose to try to fight him before, or to, to even like to, to, to forego my, my championship opportunity. You know what I mean? So that's, that's where it's coming from. That um, sounds like what? an excuse to not fight your teammate who has the belt, if I'm wrong or not. I yeah, you're you right. That I sounds did, like I you don't, don't want the title fight. So I said, if you're not fighting for the title and you have the opportunity to be number one because I just came off a loss and you don't want the title fight, I'll take the title fight more than willingly. I, again, Scott Cooker's right here. You could ask him, have I ever turned down a fight that you have given me on a contract? And the answer will be no. I didn't, have, I I didn't fought? say you turned I've, down I've, a fight. I've, I've, I've taken fights that are number one contenders. I continue to be a reputable, reputable fighter and fight whoever they put in front of me without asking. Again, of course I'm going to sign the dotted line because they sent me a contract and saying, hey, you're fighting Rufion instead of Magomedov. So guess what? I signed the contract and I sent it right back in. So... I don't get the excuse okay. machine. Well, no, well, this is the last thing I'll say, okay? And I feel like that's where me and him differ, okay? I feel like I go out and I'm seeking out fights. I'm, I, I enjoy fighting. He's, he's like accepting what they, you know, if, if hopefully they don't, they, they don't offer me the fight, you know, and I won't take it. I, I go out and I seek 
things that I want. You know what I mean? I, I want to fight everybody in the division. So I want to fight him. I want to fight every single person in this uh, but Grand Sergio. Prix. Say it again. But Sergio. But I, I agree to fight Sergio. I don't want to fight Sergio because I know him. He's my boy. And he has a title in the division. And he's it, the number one guy yeah, in the division. I don't, yeah, I don't want to fight, fight my him. boy, but so I'll fight what? for now the title. Now we're fighting. True. We're fighting now, so we get to sell it. To, to, his, to his point, um, Juan, did you feel like maybe uh, he was beneath you before this interim time? No, not at all. Rufion's a great opponent, right? He came in. Uh, I was hyped up when they signed him, Magomedov, uh, Josh Hill, uh, all the guys that they just brought. I mean, that's why we're doing this band point tournament, right? Like, uh, I want the best in the division. And if it's not this division, I'll go up to the next division. If it's not that division, I'll go up to the next one. I've done it time and time in my career, and I'm going to continue to do it time and time in my career. I'm the best MMA fighter in the world right now, and I'm approved come fight night. Thank you. Guys, we'll do one or two more. Uh, my question is for Chris. Um, there have been two names that have kind of surrounded you for a potential fight, Kat Zingano and Kayla Harrison. Do you feel like they both ducked you? Maybe after I fight Arlene Blanco, we can ask this question. I think it all the light for us now in two weeks. Thank you. Any last questions? Oh. Scott, uh, let me ask you something, please. Bellator is getting bigger in Brazil every day. Do you have any plan, any any other plans to bring uh, bring Bellator to Brazil soon? Uh, the answer to that is yes. Yeah. More news coming. Chris, how does it sound for you? This is going to be a dream coming true. You know, I want to fly home. It's nice, and the people, the crowd, very nice, and it's going to be great. Yes. Yeah, you know, this was something that we were on our way to Brazil and even Mexico to start promoting fights. Uh, but we stopped because the COVID situation, we went into the Morgan Sun, did all the fights internally in the building there with no audience. But we would already be in Brazil uh, working with Chris and her promotion if uh, COVID didn't hit. All right. Thank you, guys. We're actually going to have the fighters square off and then uh, we'll reset the stage for the next event. Person. 
We're going to uh, reset the stage. Uh, the next event will start here in like three or four minutes.